we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike, in a moment as we bring you our first Oscars profile of the 2021 film year, uh, right in the heat of summer, in the heart of June. Uh, we're talking about the heart of New York City in the Heights that just released on HBO Max on Thursday, June 10th, Michael. Directed by John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians, screenplay by Chiara Alegria Hudes of Vivo, the upcoming Lin-Manuel Miranda musical on Netflix from Sony Pictures there, Sony Animation. Of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda is behind this one as well. Hamilton, Moana, Vivo, like I said. So, Mike, we've been previewing this movie for Ever. a year and a half, it seems. <laughs> so we're yes. not going to really do the big setup for this. Uh, I want to focus more on a detail that you've you've sped by is that we're changing the term Oscar <laughs> Sprint Profile to Oscar's Profile, and I just want to commend you because this is a very mature move. I mean, you've clung to the term Sprint Profile for the longest time, and I don't know why, uh, but it, it's been bothering me for a while because these these years just grow longer and longer, and I don't understand any of the Sprint. I think it's the meta joke in it. That uh, it's not really a meta joke; it's very an obvious joke. Yeah, we, it started as more as like you know they were coming fast and furious when we well there's there's a title uh, right. when we first started the the podcast because we started kind of late in an awards season, <laughs> so we had to go catch up with a lot of movies and yeah, yeah it, sprint doesn't really That's work true. when you're on the heels of a 27 month awards year like we had last year. I agree. Our Oscars profile in June when we say sprint, <laughs> but I always thought you delighted and yeah, it's still a sprint. I'm talking about it. It's a sprint. So I, I just want to commend you. It, this is a working title. Oscars profile. We want to come up with something unique to us uh, down the line. But uh, thank you for for doing this. This has been me <laughs> bugging you, <laughs> trying to wear you down for months uh, in a very passive aggressive way. Yes, thank I you. have a big sense of community and helping each other after watching In the Heights. That's why you caught me on a good day. Perfect. Is what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah, we we are talking about for our first Oscars profile, dropping the sprint in the Heights. Uh, I don't know how this isn't a Disney movie. I kept thinking it was, but no, it's on HBO Max. It's a Warner's movie. I, I think uh, Lin Manuel Miranda screams Disney movie because I think he, yeah. I think he has based a lot of his storytelling prowess from Disney movies. That's why he excelled so well uh, with Moana, and that's why he's doing animation going forward with Vivo, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I think it feels familiar because it is derivative in a way. And, and kudos for Lin Manuel Miranda for copying the best. Mary Poppins' right-hand man is doing a musical for Warner Brothers that's supposed to be one of the big hits of the summer. Uh, if you've not joined us before for what we used to call an Oscar Sprint Profile, now Oscar's Profile, at least uh, TBD, we have two reviews for the price of one. They are two-part reviews. You get a non-spoiler review where we break down the plot and premise, the expectations we had, the performances hold the movie up to an Oscars lens, etc. You will then get a spoiler warning breakdown in the middle. The second half will be all plot-driven, where we will dive deep into what we liked and disliked most about the twists and turns and spoilers of the film. So let's dive right in like you kind of teased already, Mike. In the Heights, the plot premise reads like this. A film version of the Broadway musical in which Uznavi, a sympathetic New York winery owner, saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life. That is the most refreshing premise I've read in a while, because that's exactly what this movie is. <laughs> Uznavi is very likable. The, the, the Uznavi character is somebody who you can't help but root for, Anthony Ramos there. And, and yeah, this is about 
wanting a better life, chasing dreams, being feeling stuck, etc. I agree. And uh, I just I just appreciate that uh, it, the, the the premise just ends with it. Yeah, and he just sings about it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> So that's perfect. That's perfect. Kudos to WB there. Uh, Mike, we've been talking about this movie, it seems, forever. So expectations are, are, are out there. But going into this film, you talked about kind of the burden of expectations in a way. Yeah. We both were thinking, like, best picture. We both were predicting this movie in our 10s and our mm-hmm. 100% accurate predictions. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think about the weight of those expectations? I hate going into movies with expectations, and, and this is part of the reason why. Like, I enjoyed my watch. I, I more enjoyed my watch of In the Heights than I didn't. But I, I was, I'm going to lie if I say I wasn't let down in part, but I'm let down because I had such high expectations. And look, yeah, we predicted this as best picture. Everybody's kind of hyping it up as something that should be there for the best picture. I don't know that this necessarily plays like something that you watch and you think, man, that's definitely going to be there at the end of the year, especially in a year like this one. I think we're better served to go into watching these movies if we don't have expectations whatsoever. You can't be disappointed if you don't set the bar too high. And I think that might be, at least personally, what I did with this one. Uh, and I was expecting something that this movie didn't really live up to, but it's not this movie's fault either. I think the whole is kind of overshadowing the sum of its parts kind of deal. Yeah, and that's I, th- where I think that's true. We're gonna we're going to dive into this as Oscar pundits today because you're you're right, the the reception of this movie is just rapturous. Ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, eighty three mm-hmm. meta score, all the numbers line up, Mike. We have all our friends on film Twitter, our Latino friends especially Mike, loving this movie as just the celebration of community that we've been dying for in life, never mind in film. The fact that we're getting this with a Tribeca send off uh, or send up and into what is, I mean, perfect timing for us, Mike, coming mm-hmm. off our preview series, kind of heading into the summer, uh, heading out of this pandemic, hopefully to God we say this finally. <laughs> Mike, this, the timing of this movie, I'm really, I'm really hopeful that it hits audiences the right way, but. You know, we look, we review these movies constantly, and we review past Oscar winners constantly. On the one hand, it the whole movie experience as a whole strikes me as a Best Picture nominee, and now I'm looking down the card, and I'm I'm struggling to basically nominate all yeah. of the parts in previous years. I would say because we're looking at a year coming up that's just gonna be loaded with massive contenders, huge names, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, if and it's kind of the default argument I've had for since we started talking about the 2021 film year is that for any summer movie to really make it to huge nominating status at the end of this year, mm-hmm. it's going to have to just be a no doubt or 100% blow you away. This is obviously an Oscars movie. If you look just strictly not speaking about your the relative enjoyment of this film, but looking at this critically from an Oscars lens, if you're looking down kind of your Oscars ballot as to where you could fill this one in. I think it shows up in a couple places below the line. Right. I don't know where you can... I don't know that director is going to make a, a play for this. I don't know that screenplay is necessarily going to be there at the end of the day when you consider what's coming up, especially in the fall, 
if all those movies live up to the hype that they're already putting out there. Well, you know, I don't the know what caveat, a, right? Because, right. And maybe they fall and maybe yeah. this one does find its way. Sure. But speaking about just this movie, I don't know what above the line place, if you're going to say this is a slam dunk best picture nominee, I don't know what above the line category this is a shoe in for right now. Well, it, it's out to an early lead, let's say. And, sure, and here's where I'm grateful to 2021 as opposed to 2020. And obviously, we've seen this in previous years. This is our fifth year now. We've seen the tone set by Black Panther and Get Out and Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and, and Leave No Trace and Hereditary. And Good point. Out, movie after movie, some, you know, went the distance, some did not. But when we see a strong film with undeniably high production values and, and great performances this early in the year, it does set the tone. The question is, can it last? And will people want to celebrate it the year round? And the fact is here, this has got to have legs until next March. March I mean, they're, yeah. they're voting when? They're voting in early March, right? So that's a long time, or mm-hmm. mid-March. That's a long time for this to keep this just applause going. And but But let's be honest. The fact that it is such a feel-good movie, the fact that it is taking people and transitioning them from pandemic loneliness, yep. from buckets and vans, to dancing in the streets, Mike. That's that's what's happening right now. And that's <laughs> I, I watched this movie with that feeling of, here I am going from all these indie films, right? All these mm-hmm. sad, <laughs> Just lonely, a parade of dejection, yeah. Beautiful, <laughs> gorgeous <laughs> nightmares to this big, happy musical. And I'm almost a little bit frozen. Like, wait, this is too happy and life-affirming <laughs> for me at this moment. I wonder if we're ready for a film like this. It's, it's an interesting point. It's certainly... I wonder how this would have played last year in the pandemic versus this year coming out of it. Like, yes, this is a tone setter. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But we, when we were so dire to feel anything <laughs> in terms of 2020, you know, would this have like, been received better? I don't know. I don't know if people would have watched it and be like, oh, that's what life used to be or that's what life right. could be. And that's bullshit right now because we're stuck at home. Right. Exactly. Uh, give me the lady with the short haircut in a van in a bucket and that's that's my spirit and it's my spirit person right now she's the one who gets it the bucket of life that that's my metaphor i can't i can't you know everybody dancing in a pool that close i mean everybody back, think about us back up back get away from each other yeah that is not going to do well with the vid. Yeah, it's just not going to work. So, uh, yeah, I think they did the right thing at the end of the day, unfortunately. And as much as we wanted this movie to come out last June or midsummer or whatever, I think they did the right thing because this really is the perfect tone set of the perfect transitional film for what hopefully is a transition out of this pandemic. Yeah, and they, I mean, because of that, like you said, they do have a, a tall hill to climb to, to kind of keep that applause going, like you put it, to go towards Oscars 2022. How did you watch this movie, Mike? At home, I, I watched it. Uh, I watched it twice on HBO Max there, and I appreciated it. I'm curious if I'm going to seek this out uh, in theaters. And I don't know about you, but I, I, 
I think the musical goods would be different in theaters because the voices played on my TV. Never mind. I mean, yeah. I am in awe of the These voices are quite spectacular. I, I mean, the sound of this movie, my God. And I, look, I am someone, I don't know about you, but I am someone who enjoyed the Step Up movies. I enjoyed them because that is athleticism at another level from Channing Tatum all the way through every single person there. The, the, the dancing in those step-up movies, John M. Chu the, did the sequels, obviously. Mm-hmm. That man can stage a huge spectacle, a huge musical extravaganza. And to see that even on my big screen TV at home, which is nothing compared to a big screen in the theater was something to behold like you cannot watch this movie with the laptop open i i shut the lap i had to shut the laptop because i found i wasn't even using it the screensaver came up several times because my eyes are glued to the screen on my two watches i wonder if that's gonna get some credence with the academy too because of the uh you know do you when you're talking about director do you talk about the needing to shoot this wide swath of people that are all in choreographed and like is that going to play in part of it versus how we usually think about what best director is and getting the best performances out of people that's going to be uh, quite the interesting conversation to go on i like you i watched it on my uh tv at home it's it's tough to take notes during this i absolutely agree like it's i think it's a it's a two and a half hour movie and it i took took me near four hours to get through the first watch just with having to pause and like go back and rewatch you stuff did. over and over. So yeah, it's, it's quite the experience. I agree. And and you want to, you want more of certain aspects of it. And yet at the same time, I think we both agree. Maybe it ran a little too long. It did. And I guess getting into the overall composition, the direction our non-spoiler scripts thoughts here, big sequences to me delivered, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, and maybe it's because that the big sequences were so phenomenal. I mean, the Tell Me Something I Don't Know uh, song in the salon, opening in the Heights, obviously from the trailers, we knew that was going to play. The 96,000 song at the pool. To me, the first 45 minutes of this movie is an absolute joy, and it's because it's just carried by these huge sequences that just slap that just i mean they're incredible they yeah. they're just jaw dropping incredible the splash dancing in the pool a choreographed splash dancing the the shot of this man in the you know coming through the reflect or the, through his window right the bodega window anthony mm-hmm. ramos and then everybody dancing in the reflection in front of it the synchronized just flash mob of it all i am I'm in awe of some of those shots. It's some of the best cinema I've seen in this last two-year period, Mike. It's definitely so unique compared to what we've been watching. The production values are just so obvious. And that's why I think Tenet was such a breath of fresh air when it came out. Like, you don't see the speed, the crazy-ass Nolan speedboat racing sequence with Brandon and John David Washington anywhere else but on a big-screen Right there with Tenet. And here you can't see, we haven't seen anything like this in over uh, a year and a half. Yeah, it's so lively and it's so fun and it's so, you know, alive, for lack of a better word. Uh, and it really does jump off the screen. And it's you can't help but be swept up in it. The music's great. I am shocked at how much, if that's Anthony Ramos's real voice, how much he sounds like Lin-Manuel Miranda when he's saying, like, especially during that opening number, I thought it was Lin-Manuel doing a voiceover at a point, but I, I, I assume it's Anthony Ramos's real voice, but yeah, it, it's, I, I agree with you, the big set pieces, the big dance numbers, the all the music of this is 
enrapturing. You can't help but get caught up in it and feel good about it. I, I completely agree. So I wonder if uh, uh, the contrast of that carries through as well. And then this is another kind of double-edged sword. We just went through two years of watching indie films, hundreds, mm. literally. And they have to mine into all the human drama, right? They cannot accelerate the human drama of this or that. or the, the, It's small drama in many instances because they have to. It's an indie film, right? We get that accelerated sometimes on overdrive in this movie and sometimes it plays well, sometimes it doesn't. So when it lingers and when it kind of meanders, those slowdown scenes are hard to to take at times in this film, especially in the latter half. Like there's a big midpoint and when once we get out of the midpoint, I'm struggling uh, for 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And I, wa- I, I wonder if there was a way to keep the narrative momentum going in the latter half as it went in the first. It's weird. One of my biggest criticisms is that I think there's too many songs. Like, and I know that's <laughs> ridiculous to say, for, but like, I, I, I wish this story was more condensed and I wish the story was given more sense of gravity and we know how we talk all the time we're huge story junkies I, I i have a tough time buying into any suspense of this movie i don't really know where the you know cliffhanger of any of these decisions are i don't even know honestly what the big conflict is and i think part of that is because these songs are so good but they're singing the exposition to you and a lot of the conflicts that are presented at the beginning of the song are wrapped up by the end of it and i'm going to have more to say about the the way the songs play into the plot in the spoiler section and more of my issues with it but i I think that helped elongate the runtime but kind of maybe watered down the suspense of the story at the same time so uh, that that is definitely going to be what we address first in spoilers i would say to tackle the ending uh to to talk about it for a moment and i guess preview that I do think there's an A story here, and I, I think the B through, like, G stories are also present in this movie because it is an ensemble piece. Like, we're not... When you have an ensemble piece that's two hours and 20 minutes, you're not going to develop the A storyline as much as you are in, in, a, in a movie that just has maybe a B or C. They're literally like 10 characters that we need resolutions for Mm -hmm. in something like a moonstruck for instance we'll have just one big family dinner and they'll all have it out and all the stories will resolve there right in this we have kind of a sequence for these two or three storylines a sequence for those two or three characters and that there's literally three songs that are built up to with with preceding scenes in the finale where it's hard to kind of you almost wish they could have done it all in one shot, but it didn't. It didn't kind of funnel that way. Uh, it, yeah, no, I, I think you're making a good point, and it's again, I, I'm not trying to speak disparagingly about this. I had an enjoyable watch, but the issues I had combined with the expectations going in with, and this is again why expectations play such a they're such a cruel mistress. I think that's going to be reflected in, in kind of the grade, but we'll save that for spoilers. Let's talk about, we've already hinted at mm-hmm. some of the performances here. These voices are unbelievable. Uh, Mel- Melissa Barrera, Anthony Ramos we talked about, Leslie Grace, Corey Hawkins, uh, Gregory Diaz the fourth. I, uh, I think we're both most impressed with Olga Merides. Uh, my apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, but the Abuela character's voice, these are some superstar voices on display. So Anthony Ramos is 
a star in this, and he's becoming kind of a superstar. Like, he is just so comfortable and confident yeah. in front of that camera, and it must be built on years, you know, as the center of every stage, right? And obviously he's been working with Lin-Manuel Miranda and, and Hamilton, and he's just been getting he's been getting reps in, in movies, too. He's in The Star is Born, etc., the fact that he's playing kind of an awkward character works against him a little bit here because I yeah, it's don't. It's tough to buy him as an aw shucks guy. Yeah, I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe he's just so confident. And but that's the that's the kind of juxtaposition of a movie musical reality and a any other movie reality. Like you can't you can't interpret a movie like this and 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 a character's performance like this as the nebbish, strange, you know, Nicolas Cage from the two, early 2000s <laughs> kind of character portrayal. I mean, that you, you, if you had that in a musical, it would stick out like such a sore thumb that everybody would just cringe into a fetal position and run away. Like, right. if you and I were in this music, musical anywhere, giving our weird <laughs> view, you know, uh, uh, normal countenance, we, we would stick out so badly and everybody would freak out i'd be i'd be at the the counter while that music's still going on waiting to like just purchase a honey bun and go on with my day as the singing and dancing's going on around me yeah (laughs) we would not do well here but to to see him carry every sequence he's in and again the a story is not it doesn't get all the attention because there's so many other great characters like we get a whole song with olga meredith's and I just thought she does a wonderful job in that song. And that performance is incredible. I mean, that's, I mean, we've, we, I've been watching, I forget what it is now. I'm so like every, oh, it was the Kaminsky method because he's an acting teacher. But literally he's talking about every single actor was born to play that sequence, right? That everybody wants that sequence. When they when they sign up to be an actor, they want the Olga Meredith sequence. And I guess I'm teasing what, what we'll go over in yeah. spoilers. So. The fact that she gets it there and knocks it out of the park, it, like it's almost like, I mean, it's a culmination of the movie, obviously, never mind the her career. The fact that she's a Broadway actress who played this role on Broadway and th- they give her that song. Yeah. No, number one, how, the equity here, I mean, every single character, whether the kids get moments, the teenagers get moments, you know, the twenty-somethings and thirty-somethings all get their moments, but we're not. This is not late nineteen-sixties West Side Story, Michael, where we're only focused on the people in their prime. Everybody gets a beautiful song, and and all the production values in the world dedicated to them. Yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of love to be spread around. Olga Meredith certainly has a star, a shining performance. Anthony Ramos, I agree, totally jumps off the screen. I don't know, again, like, I don't think these are slam dunk Oscars performances, not to kind of, like, bring everything down. They're great for the musicals, and they're great for what it is, but, like, when you think about performances that were nominated for musicals prior, yeah, uh, talking about Emma Stones and talking about, you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones, it, I, I, don't, I don't know that these jump off the screen to me in terms of movie stars that way. So the thing with Olga Meredith's performance, I I am seeing her theatricality in front of the camera. Like the the facial expressions are big, but the emotion is conveyed, and the I mean the catharsis literally of her song is it packs a wallop. So I recognize the effect she has on me, 
and I can do nothing but bow to her massive talent. Like, this is not, let's be honest, the, the equity here and the representation here is not, oh, okay, I'm glad that a fat guy got to dance. No, it's, <laughs> oh, my God, look at that dancer. I can't believe the moves this guy has. Maybe I can have fat guy moves like that someday. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not that talented. And Olga Meredith's Oh, my God, they're giving the abuela a, a huge song at the center of the movie. Isn't that cute? No, it's not cute. Here is this massive voice and the most talented yeah. voice in the movie. Yeah. Holy shit. So it's a holy shit moment. Yeah, I can, I'm can. i more willing to, to see her, and maybe that's what the back, that's what the this movie will ride the back of to a Best Picture nomination. I can, I'm more willing to see her in a supporting role uh, get there than I am to see Anthony Ramos well, the problem, uh, and that's the yeah. same thing, yeah. The problem with Anthony Ramos is the problem with every uber-talented super stud, and you know, 30-year-old super stud in any movie. It's that he's got everything else going for him. Why do we have to nominate him for this <laughs> award as well? He's, he's going to be a super-duper star. Let him pay his dues and, and have five of these performances before we... Yeah. I mean, this is just Oscar Academy whatever 101. I mean, this always happens. But the, That's what you get for being so good-looking, you jerk. That's what you get for being so good-looking and talented <laughs> and such a superstar is going to make gajillions of dollars. And I mean, I, I mean this is the we say the darndest things version uh, explanation of this, but there's to this happens all the time. Now, sometimes people overlook that with like a Lady Gaga, for instance. She's 30, mm -hmm. you know, her first try, knocks out of the park, Barbara Streisand. To me, Anthony Ramos, like if, if he had the kind of story dedicated to him as Lady Gaga had in yeah, yeah, Star is Born, it would, this might be a different story. But agree. every chance he gets, he's he's hitting triples and home runs here. Agree with that. Uh, for the real, I mean, the, the voices are one thing, the performances are another. The star of all of this, to me, though, was really the production values and the below-the-line stuff. I mean, the set design is gorgeous. There's some visual effect shots, uh, especially there's a scene with Vanessa walking through the heights and seeing fabric going all over. That's not really a spoiler in any means, right. but uh, this is really beautiful in every aspect that you see on screen here. Uh, I'm really... You know, the song stuff aside, just getting to the technical aspects of the shots that you see, I, th I was really blown away. So I think the the hopeful floor right now, right, to this Oscar lens, that basically that's what we're talking about. The hopeful floor is Olga Meredith's cinematography, production design, right, and then best picture. And hair and makeup. Hair and makeup, perhaps. I mean, I mean there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of uh, great hair in this. So the costumes, hair and makeup gorgeous yeah. throughout and you're right there's a lot of hair there's a lot of great hair in here i should have should have wrote that down there's we've seen we've we've nitpicked a lot of bad hair and a lot of bad movies and the fact that uh you get every hairstyle in the world right. in this one movie is pretty incredible and that's another thing like you get every body type in the world in this movie i, I mentioned it before and it's like it was like soul to me right i mean i see my body type dancing in a flash mob on the screen not once not twice but probably 30 times and i think everybody can can say that even yeah that kid, was really cool a little kid gets a centerpiece dance scene uh in, in one of the bi biggest uh spectacles of the movie one of the biggest uh sequences of the movie it, it's just it's really equitable and it, it's so refreshing and it just uh, heroic in a way when 
especially an underrepresented group, finally gets a movie dedicated to them, and what do they do with their opportunity? Is this just all Latinos, the whole movie? Absolutely not. They're, they're, they're equal opportunity, entire film, and they're so generous with the entire film, and it's an ensemble piece uh, at its core. So, And maybe this is one of those things where because there's no performance, I mean, I mean, who knows, maybe the performances do get nominated, but may, if, if the Academy doesn't see any one performance jumping out, or maybe it's quote-unquote just, I mean, a, a supporting performance right. that jumps out, maybe they do give all the credit to John Chu, and maybe he does ride that to oh, a to I thought you were going well. to the ensemble direction. Well, I mean, if this movie is going to play... As, a, as an Oscar contender at the end of the day, it's probably got to play as an ensemble, best ensemble nominee and maybe in a best ensemble winner, no? Before, I mean, before you even get, I mean, I get, I get where his strengths are as a director, John Chu. His strengths are in the staging of these incredible musical set pieces, which is what a, a talent he had back from the step up two and 3D. So, yeah, there's no question this is an ensemble piece. I just, don't know that that's going to translate to serious best picture contendership. Right. I mean, I guess it, you could argue that maybe you know, 1970, I was going to make the case for 1917, which was a lot of below the line stuff and not really performance driven, but that still had, you know, Sam Mendes as a serious threat in the director category. Still, I, you know, I, I get a lot of the goods delivered from a crazy rich Asians, for instance, which is all happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Performances, I agree. funny performances. As well. They're not, hardcore dramatic performances it's not in a courtroom like in front of a chicago judge necessarily kind of performances uh from crazy rich asians and yet we still have that film in front of the screen actors guild for that that mm-hmm. award so i i wonder if the competition is just going to be too fierce because we're going to get another three or four musicals I mean, hopefully like this on this level. Maybe not. Maybe maybe this one will just shine above the rest. But I I wonder where the Oscars profiling kind of, uh, by, by other pundits, where it goes. Because I'll be honest with you, Mike. I did not seek out everybody's review for this yet. I, I, I can't get away from it on Twitter, film Twitter, like I said. I mean, we, we've heard a lot of our friends uh, and read a lot of our friends just on film Twitter there. But... I wonder where, like, are, are people going to say Melissa Barrera? Are people going to say Jimmy Smits that these are undeniable? Are people going to say that um, that the uh, original song is going to be there at the yeah. end of the day? I, I don't know. Like, there's one original song in this home all summer over the credits featuring Mark Anthony, who, are, I, I'll be honest with you, I I was worried about him in the movie and to... to to see him portray that kind of character, I was very impressed by his acting talent. I hope that yeah. was acting talent. Let's just put yeah. it that way. So I, I wonder where this movie is, gets its surefire noms at the at the end of the day. But, but because I, of yeah, because of that fact, that worries me about its chances. Like the the re, for a summer, we left once upon a time in Hollywood being like, okay, I mean, Leo is going to be in the conversation. Right. Script's going to be in the conversation. There's not a. Other than a couple production categories or below the line categories, I don't think there's anything above the line where we're like, "That's where this is going to be." Even a Black Panther, who which debuted early on in the or year, or Get Out, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. VFX product, uh, uh, VFX and cost makeup and hair and costumes. I mean, these were superlatives that were undeniable, right? And exactly. Then you, then you add on the script and 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 Chadwick Boseman and the performances and the ensemble factor there. 
that so we're I guess we're clinging to cinematography and production design. If you're going to power rank the production values, are you leaning towards those two first, or are you saying makeup and hair? I think I do. No, I, I cinematography, production design, and I think those are one and one A, and then makeup and hair. I would have in there, yeah. So costumes, makeup and hair come next for you. Obviously, yeah. the original score is not. I mean, this is not original music, so there's right. not really. I like. I would. I mean, I, I think you could nominate the music for this movie everywhere for all these other awards. Of I course, wish there's an Oscars category right. for it. Right. You know. There's yeah. Not. I mean, it's 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 a unique case on a lot of fronts, and it's something we're going to obviously be talking about. I mean, as if we haven't been talking about this movie enough leading up to this point. But uh, going to be interesting to see where this falls out come Oscars time and as awards season goes on, especially keeping an eye on that loaded fall if all those movies do live up to their hype or not. And we obviously, I mean, something's going to fall that we don't expect to fall or flop, and uh, we'll see how this one holds up. Let's dive into the story, though, Michael, and do some spoilers after this spoiler warning. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler section for the Oscars profile of In the Heights, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This is where you want to go if you want to hear our thoughts and opinions of all things In the Heights, plot-related, twists and turns-related, and otherwise. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go on to HBO Max to your latest or your nearest theater, and go check it out for yourself before you come back and hit play on us. We'll be here waiting for you. But from here on out, all spoilers all the time for the Oscars profile of In the Heights. Mike, let's start like we do so many times at the end of this. And I tease this in the non-spoiler section, but the big, I guess, suspense they want you to believe in this movie is will Uznavi actually go back to the Dominican Republic or will he stay? Is, it's the, is the grass always greener? type argument and obviously uh you know vanessa shows him her new fashion and Mm -hmm. turns the bodega that he runs into this kind of hybrid bodega slash uh remembrance shrine for abuela slash fashion shop and it reignites his passion of being in the heights and he decides he's gonna stay i felt like that storyline and the gravity of should Uznavi stay or is he going to go I felt like the seriousness of that decision in a two and a half hour film was given maybe 10 minutes of runtime and yeah. that's part of my struggle with this movie and its story overall well I think what sells that dilemma or what solves that dilemma is the community itself and dedicating the rest of the storylines to the rest of the community members itself. And that's what keeps him there. It's not just a romance, right? It, it, it is a romance, but it's not just the romance. It's his connections throughout the community and the other characters. So to, to again, again, to give the equal opportunity storylines elsewhere. Uh, and, and you're right, the B and C story, look, we have a huge, we have multiple songs dedicated to Corey Hawkins's character, we and and that storyline with the Jimmy Smiths 
and I, I, I forgive me. What's the daughter's name? Leslie Grace's Nina character. Nina, so, yeah. Okay, so we have, we have multiple songs and sequences dedicated to them. We have multiple songs and sequences dedicated to uh, Daniela and Carla and them running the shop, and that kind of feeds into the anthem that we get after the blackout or at the end of the blackout, right? Where they, you get all the flags, the Latino flags, and and. In, in the uh, the alleyway there where everybody's sitting around and just hot uh, and, and not working and, and sad after the abuela death so I do think I do think all of those feed together towards what you're trying to say is the a plot line but I would agree with you we're, we're accustomed to story development just mining deeper and deeper into you know, a romance like that, a forbidden love in a way, or it and it's be, it's something, be, yeah. yeah, it's something that musicals, when they're adapted from stage to screen, it, it is a difficult transition for that. Especially, like I said, I mean, when your conflict in the mute in the song is resolved by the end of this, and when you don't have standard applause breaks and changing the set in real time, you don't get a chance to like swallow and digest and adjust for the next scene, as you do if you're actually watching this on a stage. I think it it's a difficult transition, and a, a lot can be lost when you're taking a musical from stage to screen. And one of those things for me was the development of any kind of overall arc. I, I mean, I yes, there's a lot of mini-stories, and yes, this is kind of like in the vein of The Wire or Do the Right Thing, I guess, where where I guess the, the block is the, the community is the main storyline anyway, but I just, it just left a lot for me to be desired for me. And that's why if somebody's going to say that screenplay is a slam dunk, I would kind of hold pump the brakes on it and argue against it. Screenplay. Here's the thing about the screenplay. I think, I think it's very clever and it's, and it's next level movie musical because it's a next level musical, right? From Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm -hmm. And what he did so well in Hamilton was keep you guessing throughout every song and every verse builds to a, a surprise and a, re a reversal in some instance and you're you're hanging on every lyric which I think is narrative storytelling that's very different than verse, verse, chorus, verse just let's be happy and sing no, it's not that I mean, we're literally building a, a plot through everybody checking their lotto tickets and what they would each do with winning the lottery and and every every you know every verse is a delightful surprise and also characterization for each one of these storylines so there's there's a lot of ammunition exposition as ammunition going through uh, a, a song like that and a sequence like that i i guess to come back to your main point though with the a storyline not being delved into enough is it, it all comes back to kind of the misdirect of the beginning, doesn't it? Where we have him on the beach, and then at the end, oh, that was a lie. He's he's been in the bodega the whole time. They just drew gorgeous pictures on his walls. So yeah, and and that's I mean that's part of my frustration is that I I thought that misdirect was cute. I thought I loved that. I, I wish more. Look, when you have a, a a film that's got a billion plot lines, you're mm -hmm. going to have some that outshine the others. I just felt like it was a missed opportunity to either not have the is he staying or is he going be a bigger part of the movie. Or even if you wanted to highlight Vanessa's 
which I think got more runtime, and I, I did appreciate Vanessa's uh, strife with college and going to Stanford and standing up to her father and ultimately having that play out as her saying, well, I'm going to use my education to help, you know, the dreamers and the undocumented people find a way. Like, again, that was another storyline. It just felt like it only got like 20 minutes of runtime. Like, it, those two should have been the movie to me. Yeah, it's like five movies. This yeah. should have been this should have been five movies, not just one. I get that, and I'm I'm with you. Even though I do believe that there's depth to the storylines here, and we're we're shown that depth, and it's through some of the performances. Like I thought, Leslie Grace is doing a, a wonderful job communicating this the sadness behind her her beautiful voice and her beautiful smile, right? But you could tell. And she builds up to it with the, the sequential revelations. I Got Searched was the big revelation yeah. at the center of the, the film before Abuela's death there. And we obviously we don't get that. She's just out of place in Stanford. And she it, it escalates. So, But she comes back and it's like a Disney movie of her singing in the streets. And yet she'll hint at it and then we'll, we'll realize what, what really happened. Because why, why are they broken up? And... You just get a lot of history through their eyes. I thought the performances were subtle in that regard. You also get the fact that Anthony Ramos and Melissa Barrera's characters of Usnavi and Vanessa know each other since high school, and it's revealed later in the movie. But it's not the meet-cute that you get in a typical rom-com. It's just there's a lot of history there. When she comes in after a hard day, he's not going to do the typical movie thing of hey i've known you your whole life and here's what you know the the speech he gives later he doesn't right. give in that moment he just leans up against the window and draws the smiley face and makes a goofy nose thing and cheers her up yeah and, and that was like and again i'm not trying to like that was cute too and the misdirect was very well done like i'm not trying to to say i didn't enjoy my watch well, i don't think it's a good movie. The story long in a frustrating way aren't, aren't yes they? yes and we and they, don't get enough for the A storyline, but we get that, which is adorable. But, but we know for like the last 45 minutes, like right. that is the hanging question. And they just keep us like, like all right, why is he on the beach? Because that's the <laughs> narrative drive of the story. Why is he on the beach at the beginning? And yet we are spending all this other time on all these other problems. And I'm glad, but that's just hanging over the whole movie. And, and it, it is resolved at the end. by could have been dealt with like they didn't need that i don't think they needed the kids on the beach thing at all like you know i i don't i i i don't know it's it added to the runtime and the runtime i thought was too long and there were too many songs and it was a frustrating watch in that way for me and because part of my frustration again aside from the storylines was this movie it picked and chose within its songs yeah. what actually happened in the reality of this movie and that was so frustrating to me because you're counting down to this big blackout like that's supposed to be the big storyline, but it never really is. And then you have all these other things going on. And like, I'll give you the example of the club that I already talked with you about in the pre-production, like the club scene. OK, Vanessa finally basically asks Usnavi out on a date. And so they go to the club and they're at the club for the length of six minutes or two songs. And. Is that really how long they were at the club? Well, in a movie world, no. It's supposed to be expedited, except that part of the dialogue leaving the club when the blackout happens is that Usnavi is pissed that Vanessa danced with other men all night, and Vanessa's pissed that Usnavi ditched her in the club and basically abandoned her. And, like, to me, it's like, 
wait a minute, you, you were only there, if you're really mad at each other for doing that, you were only there for six minutes. You were there for two songs worth. Why does this matter? What are you talking about? The big story is the blackout. This sounded like, it felt like fabricated strife. Yeah, and I, on the one hand, I want to yell at you. And we did this in the pre-production because, but I know you know what's real and what's not real. It's not like you don't know what's real and what's not real. You, I think you're getting frustrated with the fact that they got timestamps for the blackout on the one hand, and on the other hand, we're clearly in the reality of this movie spending all night at the club. But you're right; it's only six seconds of uh, six minutes of story time or whatever it was, two songs worth, and. On, one, on the one hand, it's accelerated, and they don't mind mind that that story. That in other movies, you'll mind that in a forty minute sequence with that A storyline. They, I, I get frustrated by that. I know it's a little thing to, to, but again, like okay, go to the Abuela's house afterwards when the blackout happens, and Abuela has this big beautiful song, and she's going towards the light. And metaphorically, I think that's where musicals shine in when they're taken to the big screen. Is that you have all that production, and the lighting is beautiful, and the set design is beautiful, and you have all this. You know, it, it's it's basically the the analogy. It's a metaphor. It's it's well done that she's going towards the light. But then we come back to reality, and people just start singing with Abuela's dead body in the other room. Like, what are we? What are, what's what's happening? Again, the reality of the movie is not reality. Uh, and, and of course it's not. Like, they're not singing with her dead body in the other room. <laughs> of course not. Uh, it's it's this in-between state of reality and, and metaphor, of course. Where's Abuela's body when they're singing No, them? you can't ask questions like that in a movie. Just like in a freaking action movie, you can't... I mean, you can't ask too many questions about the big action set pieces. Of course... <laughs> It's not real. It's movie reality. It's musical reality. It's in between. So, like, I'm fine if this is the movie where where Benny and and Nina are dancing on the side of a building, and like, but then don't show the kid that's watching them dance on the side of the building. It's not real, Mike. It's a movie. <laughs> but look, at, I all right. I can't dive into all your pet peeves. I'm just they're earworms, and I'm, my head's going to be carved out by the end of it. <laughs> I know. Let me let me let me preface. I'm being I'm being partly farcical. Like I am I'm, right. I am playing a bit of a character. But in all seriousness, the picking and choosing between what's happening in the songs and then relating it to the real plot, I, I had a very frustrating time with that because it wasn't. I really tried to buy into the magical elements of this. Right. But I felt like they decided what magical elements were real and what weren't. And they incorporated some of the magical elements within the reality of the world that they were living in. And that was frustrating to me. I don't share in your frustrations, I guess, is where I can leave it. Because I, 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 I have frustrations in this movie with like, all right, I want more of this plot and less of that plot. I want, I want uh, these few plot lines to be resolved more efficiently and... These others, I want to dive into them, and I, I get those criticisms of the film, and that's you know that's where we can always land in, in any movie. It's like, oh, I wish the emphasis was more here and not there, and yeah, I mean, we're always gonna be critical in that regard. I I think the results of that, and, and kind of how we have to come at it, is 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 analyzing the final product, right, and and not the methodology necessarily going in. I mean, we can. Monday morning quarterback at all we want, but I think at the end of the day, the the story does lag. It lags after the Abuela death scene, and that's sad because you know they tried to pick it back up with 
Usnavi and Vanessa sitting out front and we get that exposition. But again, we know they're just teasing us there, right? We, we know we're not getting it resolved. We're just revamping the same conflict that we were we had before and it's like almost reminding us of the conflict we had before with Daniela and Carla and then it's reminding us of the conflict we had before with uh Corey Hawkins and Leslie Grace's character the pro- they don't bring those conflicts far enough I would say in the in the late act 2 obviously yeah i i, I they're not treated with enough gravitas I, I i agree with that and they're not like stringent they're not suspenseful to they don't make the viewer at least this is where i sit i didn't really care whether uznavi left to go to the Domin- like it's they did it uznavi sold the dominican as a good enough thing to me where i was like well maybe he should go <laughs> you know and i think that's the exact opposite of what the point of of the big suspense of this movie was meant to be I kind of thought they were going to be on vacation, right? I yeah. mean, you, you know that he's not going to leave all these wonderful right. characters. Right. I mean, you know, but you, you don't leave. You're, you're saying to yourself, he can't leave everybody. These two. This is a How I Met Your Mother story. This yeah. is, He's not going to leave Vanessa. Vanessa and him are Yeah, there was together. no way he That's was actually going to. Yeah. You know that from the beginning, right? When Agreed. she says, Daddy, you know she's Vanessa's daughter in the beginning of the movie and that's why this movie's kind of predictable and yet you still got the questions say it ain't so questions right and that's why the movie gets frustrated to me in that late act two portion because i'm like i know how this needs to end but you're not getting me there and you're just you're just playing with my emotions at this point now you get a few great you know, musical set pieces there. When they're dancing on the side of the building, that's wonderful. When you when you get the the anthem with everybody's flag, that's that's going to go down in in history as as an incredible set piece. I mean, they saved some great set pieces for that third act. I would agree with you. I think the finale and I think the ham handed stuff. Like I'm, I I don't understand mannequins in a bodega. I've been to a hundred bodegas in my life. <laughs> And mannequins in a bodega. I un- I get that it's in the reality of this movie. That's just her, you know, fi- following her muse and wanting to to show him her her application of of herself as an artist. The fact that she has regained confidence in herself because of him. It's clearly what she's doing. And do I believe in the future she's going to have man he's going to have mannequins in their bodega no yeah. i believe big, she's going to have the big business plan is yeah. yeah the big business plan is a half you know i'll buy a bag of fritos and all so can i buy that beautiful dress that's over there i don't no, know that that's no gonna, i yeah. wish they showed the, the the two businesses more clearly right and i think they just they wanted to combine the the kind of why he stayed back metaphor and they just left that for longer like they should have showed her with her business they should have showed him with his business at the end, they didn't get that literal with it, unfortunately. Also, they sang with a, a dead body in the other room that was just <laughs> decaying at that point, and everyone was just. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about let's let's wrap up and talk about more positives? You talked about mannequins, and actually, one of the hardest laughs I had in this movie was at the uh, the outset when all the uh, the drama's going down at the salon, and the mannequins that are wearing all the wigs are taking part in the musical, and they're like. Yeah. Dancing and nodding. I thought that was funny. So many little moments that were just made me laugh, and and, and I made me want to re, want to rewatch this movie a hundred times to find another, you know, dozen of those moments. Like obviously when Abuela yells "Buy me a bikini" to get out of that first song, <laughs> I I laughed really hard. That was that was brilliant. Um, 
the, the fact that he's trying to get her to go back to the DR with her with him. Uh, the the on hold music when Jimmy Smits is on the phone, Michael, mm-hmm. is the King's interlude from Hamilton. Yeah, I didn't realize of course, that. <laughs> is just the greatest callback Easter egg thing in the world. I just love the scene, but where again, it's like the anti meat cute scene, right? Where Sonny asks out Vanessa for Usnavi, right? Mm-hmm. And he does his thing where he charms her, but it's not like this typical way of doing it. And then Sonny has to do the asking out, and Sonny does all the heavy lifting then. Yeah, and Usnavi acts like he's the man afterwards. <laughs> and after Usnavi's like, I'm too hot. And I just, I love that so much because. That, you know, that, that's the whole shtick with the guys in this movie, the Corey Hawkins character, etc. He's bald, but it's over the top, and but it, it's funny in that scene. Uh, finally, I just loved every Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, Iceman moment there. The, the you know, uh, uh, the ice shavings. I forget what you call one of those. I, I call it Italian ice because I'm Italian. But that ice cream man is George Washington, Christopher Jackson from Hamilton, so it is just so fitting that those two, like, I, I wish he had his own song, obviously. <laughs> another just galactic level talent. Uh, I wish he had his own song in this movie. I wonder if he had his own song in the musical, uh, if he was even in the musical. I don't know. So, again, the moments like that make me want to rewatch this movie a couple times. And I do believe we will come back to it. So this is a poor film study, I would say, Michael. Poor job by us. We just were kind of just going off the cuff here in a way, but I I do think this movie is dense with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Frustratingly dense uh, is how I would put it because I don't, I think it's filled with stuff that isn't necessary. And if they actually parsed it down and make a better Jesus Christ, you're just, you can't, you can't get it. You can't get out of the pandemic. You can't, you need a better cinematic experience. You have another 20 indie movies to make you sad and just to wallow. I I don't know. Is this Bo Burnham's fault? Is this Bo Burnham's (laughs) fault? Because I I can't the other side of the spectrum argument doesn't always have to happen. We can enjoy the little things. You just said you enjoyed a little thing. I can't be convinced that if they didn't if they didn't concentrate more on like one or two or three storylines, that this wouldn't have been a better cinematic experience. I think there's a natural difficulty from bringing something from the stage to the screen, and I Mm -hmm. don't know that they got all the way overcoming it to make it as great a cinematic experience as it could have been. Yeah, but you got that point across already. So I, I, I just I'm fr- I, I was frustrated. I was frustrated by my watch. Little... I was frustrated. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I liked it. I had fun, but I was frustrated. I, I was disappointed. That has to do with expectations, like I said at the outset. I was more di- the highlights for me were all in the non-spoiler stuff. The spoiler stuff frustrated me. Yeah, but I, the whole point of what I just did was I, I listed off five little anecdotes that were that were joyous to me. And then you come back and, and said that, no, all the little things in the movie are frustrating to <laughs> not, you. Not all, I don't not get all how you have to take the opposite side there. Not I don't, all of them. <laughs> like, this is the best scenes portion, and you just took a huge dump on the little best. I was going to wrap up. I was going to start to wrap up. Can I wrap up? That's all I wanted to do. Yes, so I, I, I'm just surprised you had to drive home your main theme of being frustrated again. I mean, is this all right? Well, let's let's put it this way. I think I went into this movie. We got to get back to our expectations and come full full circle, Mike, because I went into this movie hopeful that it would be a best picture contender. But I always do this to myself, and I'm like, but it won't be right. And then I get a movie that's 
a really strong grade for me. Like I'm going to give this a B plus 89 to help you wrap up here. A B plus 89 because the goods delivered are just so extraordinary and so unique. Like we haven't seen a musical this big with this level of production value since when? I mean, was it La La Land? So I, I like I am I rejoice in that and the fact that it's just such a cultural event, uh, both. In, in, in regards to our American culture transitioning out of the pandemic, like I've mentioned, like I can relate to, but never mind the fact that Latinos rejoice in this as a as a triumph in terms of representation and a triumph in terms of representing this, you know, this story from, you know, 20 blocks below where where I live for a while. But certainly for what uh, what's an experience that is just underrepresented on screen other than a white POV version of it in West Side Story. Right. Which, again, is going to add to the freaking conflict of between this and West Side Story at the end oh, of yeah. the year. So bottom line is, and I know I say a lot of bottom lines, I, I almost talk my way out of all of my objections going into movies. And I don't, you don't do that. You have a very different way of processing these films. Like you, I guess you let yourself get overhyped. Yeah, that, that's exactly, it's spot on. Because I, I don't believe do. you You. You are just the frustra- frustration of this movie not being an A plus is your overwhelming emotion here, or is it? I don't know. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was frustrated, very frustrated by the story, extremely frustrated, and, and and kind of disappointed by the story. And because all the other stuff on the below the line and around this is so great, I'm even more frustrated by it. Right. I mean, and I'm I'm a story junkie through and through, and I say that multiple times, but it's it's absolutely true. It's what I go, you know, I don't have the the big directorial or screenwriting background. I go into this mostly as a fan, and as a fan, I what it hooks me most is the intrigue and the suspense and the plot, and I felt that was lacking. And I felt like if if for to be a better cinematic experience, to be a better story, this could have been parsed down more, and. It wasn't. It is what it is. I agree with you that there's all kinds of reasons to celebrate this, and it really is a, a marvel of cinematic achievement in terms of the below-the-line stuff attached to it. But because the story was lacking, it makes me more frustrated in the overall movie itself. I, like, I walked out of this with a B-, minus, and that's pretty much yeah. where I land, 82-83. I don't know, man. I, I The Abuela storyline I enjoyed thoroughly. The Daniela-Carla storyline I enjoyed thoroughly. Do I think the... I mean, I agree with the Benny... And I I haven't gotten his name right the whole movie, excuse me. But the Benny-Nina storyline, I agree with that. Like, I live that story myself in in this life. But did I need three 20-minute sequences to to drive that home uh, onto the sideways dancing on 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 the... fire escape there maybe that one could have been accelerated more because i didn't feel any suspense in that story with jimmy smith etc you knew she was going back to school the whole time you knew they were going to get back together the whole time right so that's i guess where i'm frustrated is they had they didn't execute each and every one of the side stories but i don't know i i feel like they executed most of them and you don't feel that way or do you 
I felt like the ones that weren't executed were just unnecessary, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, if this movie was all about Nina going back to college or not, or then deciding that she's going to use her education to help the Dreamers, or if this movie was all about the Vanessa uh, Usnavi love story, if they if the movie gave more serious consideration to why Usnavi should leave or what was drawing him there, if there was some kind of pull to get him back to the Dominican other than, you know, we see pictures of his father's bar and he, we have those couple Which... scenes with the attorney... Sonny completely makes a hilarious joke out of early. You corny. That's the corniest thing I ever heard. I love that. And yet he still doesn't recognize it. That's why, like, they kind of undercut Usnavi's, you know, trying to get out of there. The early. seriousness of his decision. I agree. The seriousness yeah. of the uh, antagonism, I would say. Right. And that's, I mean, I felt like that hurt the antagonism of the movie overall. I felt it hurt the, the overall it's arc. Such, and that's why it's a life-affirming movie, but it's also the... It's a movie that the characters are saying the grass is always greener and they're not portraying that. They're not portraying the poverty. They're not. I mean, it's a celebration of right. of that community. And yet in the background, you have a cleaners moving in that's charging $9 for a shirt that's right. clearly going to overtake Jimmy Smith's uh, entire business at some point and is now choosing to stay to run this bodega that's going to be priced. Like, there's all kinds of issues attached to that. Well, I guess <laughs> where I, I come in is like, what did you want the musical to be? Did you want the musical of them just singing sad songs about having to take the freaking D train every day? Because that's miserable too. I mean, anybody yeah. who's written a song—that's a miserable forty-minute commute every day. So they're not going to talk about that. They're not going to talk about just being hot and sweaty for <laughs> their anecdotes in the songs. They're not going to dwell on the fact. The, uh, the negatives. They're not going to dwell on the negativity. It's not going to be Bo Burning staring at a Bo Burnham staring at a camera, just <laughs> looking depressed for long setups. It's a ha- big happy community. Uh, they could have done something with the dead body before they started singing about. You know, like <laughs> they could have they could have shown her going into an ambulance or something they, before they no, started. No, they singing. have Anthony Ramos somehow selling him sobbing once, and that's good enough. It worked. And then they have the big, you know, light a candle and and celebrate her life song. So I again, I, I thought it, I thought it was, uh, it had a, the amount of depth you would expect in a big happy musical dealing with the the soul crushing sadness. You just wanted to linger in the soul crushing sadness. If Lars von Trier directed, no, I I, you, I, I just didn't. <laughs> It, it just didn't. I don't you know, know what the, you expected is what I'm trying to get at. Like, to come full circle again. To be a best picture, a, a big, a, a bigger conflict, I guess. A bigger antagonism. A bigger relief at the end. Not yeah. something that I knew was going to happen. You know, I mean, we, not that, we, I'm, not that right. predictability is necessarily a bad thing. but it just, I may agree with you at the, at, with that. Yeah. yeah, there was no, there, I just didn't feel like there was enough strife. And I, I'm in the minority. I know this. Like, I, believe me, parasite happened. I'm used to being in the spot. But dude, dude you, we know Usnavi's getting together with Vanessa. We know that. Like I said, we know that Nina and Benny will be together. We know that Abuela will be celebrated. We know that this community will stick together. Yeah, and but even the Vanessa Usnavi relationship, like that strife, their strife within their relationship is all of what? One scene? They fight after the club, and then she's comes back to she's wandering the streets during the blackout alone, and then she comes back to his apartment to like be like we're fine now. But again, to come back to the her, her and his conflict are the same. They're just in opposite directions, and that's why they both want to leave, and they both realize that they want to stay because of each other and because of the community. So it could be a 
entire lifetime of marital resentment. But you're right. No, the, <laughs> no, the fabricated <laughs> interpersonal stuff for them is them just not wanting to engage in their relation. They're, they don't give their relationship a try because they believe that they're both one foot out the door. Right? I mean, I, 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 again, we know that they're going to be together at the beginning of the movie. So it, it's kind of, I agree that it's a little, you know, that the, the narrative device there doesn't necessarily work. Like if, if you, if you end this movie with them apart, what then would you that have La La Land. be? Like, <laughs> add five more points for Mike one. Is that what you're trying to say? I just wanted more antagonism. That's all. That's all I wanted. Maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't Suspense. Ex- Here's the I thing. Know. I didn't expect more antagonism. The depth of, of... Did you know about this musical going in? Did you know the plot? Other no. than, like, did you have any idea? No, but when everybody on film Twitter is just celebrating it as this... That this, this story that... I, I didn't expect a parade of sadness. I, per- I expected a parade of happiness. Yeah. Maybe I just hate film Twitter. <laughs> or maybe you didn't listen to film Twitter on this one. And that was your downfall. Like, if you expected a parade of happiness, and that's what you got, and you got glimpses of sadness as as undercurrents, I, maybe it's all about expectations. I don't know. Awkward pause, ending the episode. She uh, she was dead, and they went right into song. <laughs> the song was a tribute <laughs> to The woman her, was deceased, and they're like, you know what we should do? <laughs> What's that smell? No, the song was tribute to her life. You jerk. And that's that's where we end. I'm calling you a jerk. In the heights. Other people should review this movie at us. That's that's what I realized at this. I was I was worried at the beginning of this. Like we we should have got a guest on for this one. We're idiots. No, no, this was perfect. Two white idiots. <laughs> this went exactly as it should have gone, guys. As always, want to hear from you. Uh, feel free to yell at me and tell me how wrong I am. And side with also Mike. It seems to be the uh, the usual when it comes to times like this. Let us know, as well as leave us any other comments, questions, or concerns about anything else we do in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you would tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five star review, uh, that would truly make our day michael what's coming next what's some words of wisdom i'm not saying this is fast four you know like this is a good movie no 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 i you set me up and proved every point i had uh previously by setting me up for what's coming next because this is just the height of our hypocrisy we are going to review the fast and furious movies next and continue to review them and you give them like a hundred passes as do i and but those are supposed to be like awesomely bad this wasn't (laughs) this is supposed to be oscars but but it's a uh, i don't know man i think uh i think this movie being an oscar contender is uh, is an incredible feat but it still doesn't change the genre of this movie so i I guess i'm just expecting a big happy musical to be a big happy musical and i don't know you were expecting something else what are these people so happy about (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to mine in we're going to uh mine that 
for the next 10 episodes <laughs> or 100 or 200, folks. Uh, but we got the Fast and Furious. We got more Oscar race checkpoints. We just did a year in preview series. We'll continue to cover all the big movies that come out. And it's it's cool that we did get a major Oscar contender in June. We yeah. do have some more throughout the summer that we think we hope will have legs. So do stay tuned for more Oscars profiles or Oscar profiles. Are we using the S? Oh, man, that's going to be a whole nother argument. That's a whole nother huge <laughs> argument that we didn't even have yet that we can, I can look forward to as well. So Oscar, You said Oscars. You said at the Oscars at the start with the S, so that's what I've been calling it. All right, so Oscars profile. Sure. Right. Or if you have a name and you want us to name it that, let us know. We're open to suggestions. We are. Please. <laughs> <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us for Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness. We'll see you very soon. See you.